God is omniscient. He knows everything. Pastor Ray Bentley points out why that fact is so encouraging. I want you to know this. Your dad in heaven loves you so much. He knows you, how you're wired. He knows what would make you the most complete, happy, and fulfilled. And guess what? If you will delight yourself in the Lord, the Bible says He also will give you the desires of your heart. Spread news of His people coming down before the King. Lift your voice. Jesus is coming. Join the song. Sing along. Let it ring. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Some people feel like their life has just fallen to pieces. Yesterday is full of bad memories, and tomorrow is full of uncertainty. Well, today, Pastor Ray points out that God specializes in putting the broken pieces of a shattered life back together. Here's Pastor Ray now to explain. James chapter 2, the message title is Faith That Works Is Alive. And as I was saying, you've got Paul who says, on the one hand, you are saved by grace, which means gift, and through faith, uh, which is trusting in the Lord. And even that faith that you have to believe in Jesus, that's not something you worked up. It is the gift of God unto salvation. Now, so Paul spends a lot of time saying that, you know, it's grace by faith alone without the works of the law, meaning you cannot by good works earn your way to heaven. If I had the ability, which I don't, but if I had the ability somehow to get on some major network and talk to all the, you know, nation at one time, the one thing as a pastor and as a Christian, I would want to make clear to the world at least once is... You don't get to heaven by trying to, you know, be good. Uh, because as, and it's good that you try to be good, but as good as you try to be, you'll never be good enough. Because heaven is perfect. And it, we, you want heaven to be perfect, right? Heaven is perfect. Therefore, only perfect people go there. Well, our problem then is that we're not perfect. And so no matter how good and how, you know, and so we judge, usually what we do is we kind of grade on the curve and we compare ourselves with other people. Well, I think I'll be okay because I'm not as, I'm, there's a lot of people that are a lot worse than I am. And I'm somewhere kind of in the middle. But the problem is the Bible says all have sinned and all have fallen short of God's glory, which is perfection. So, okay, fine, your gap isn't as big as some guy that's, you know, murdered masses of people and all of that. But there's still a gap between you and perfection. And it may be different for all of us, but whatever that gap is, and it's a lot bigger than we would imagine, whatever that gap is, that's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why he paid for our sins with his own life and with his own blood and makes that difference. But now James comes along and says something that sounds like the opposite. He says, hey, if you have faith or belief, but you don't have works in your life that demonstrate that you actually believe, he says, then you have a dead faith. And that won't save you. And what James says is the only way that you can 
know whether someone is a believer or not is how they act, not just by what they say. And the worst situation is when you're saying one thing with your mouth and yet you're living a totally different way in your life. That's what James is concerned with. So look with me in verse 18. He says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And here's what James says, I will show you my faith by my works, by my obedience to God. I'll demonstrate to you, I really do trust in God and believe in God. Verse 19, you believe that there is one God, you do well, but even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O oh foolish man, some pretty strong words from James, that faith without works is dead. Faith and works, as I put here in your notes, are like two wings of a bird. You need two wings to fly, to soar. One wing is sad. <laughs> it's not enough to get flight. Faith and works are kind of like that. Yes, you need to believe and you need to trust. But the Bible says, work out also your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to do according to his pleasure. Now, here's another interesting thing. Verse 19. Look at this, what James says. He says, you say, I believe in one God. You believe that there is one God. Okay, good. You do well. And then, not impressed, James goes on, well, even the demons believe and tremble. In other words, just saying, well, I believe in God. Uh, you know, I even believe in Jesus. Well, that's good, but so do the demons. As I put here in your notes, there is not a demon in the universe who is an atheist. <laughs> do you ever think about that? There's not one demon that is an atheist. So in essence, what James is saying is that it's not enough to intellectually assent to the story of Jesus and the gospel, the death and burial and resurrection. That's good, it's a beginning, and it's not enough even to have an emotional response to that story, which is also good and should happen, not in fear, but one of embracing. But the final part that makes faith that saves is when he enters your heart of hearts, when your will is open. That's why Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, I will come in. I love that verse because of what it tells me about Jesus, my Lord. He knows who he is. He knows that he has the power that he claims to have, that he, he is God manifest in the flesh and he died for our sins and he rose from the dead. He's the Lord, he is savior, but he doesn't come force anybody. Not one person is forced to live a righteous life or to follow Jesus or for that matter, to go to heaven. The only people who will be in heaven are those who want to. And I love that how this tells about his nature. He doesn't push, he doesn't demand, he doesn't force. Like a gentleman, he stands patiently, persistently all through our lives and knocks with the voice of one crying, please open the door. Someone has said, you know, the door of the human heart is, is uh, the doorknob is only on the inside, only you can open it and allow him to come in. And when he comes in, yes, your mind, your heart, but your will, now the Holy Spirit's in there and he's gonna change things up. He's gonna move things around. He's gonna rearrange your life. Listen, I know not all of you are called to be a missionary, pastor, whatever, 
but all of you have been uniquely designed by God. All of you can have your own, your experience can be not, it's not just reserved for super saints, but when the Holy Spirit comes in you, when you melt and when you yield to him, he can put all the pieces of your life back together. We make mistakes, we blow it, we, we blow it royally. But our dad is so good and he is so gracious and he is so loving. He knew in advance our weaknesses, our mistakes and our failures. And he loves and waits patiently and he's knocking and he says, any moment if you'll respond to me, I will come in and I can transform your life into something that is so amazing and so beautiful, you can't even imagine it. Now look with me in verses 21 through 24. He gives now an example from the life of Abraham, a very powerful one. Verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works faith was made perfect or complete. And the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Let me, let me give the background of this story. He's, you know, we know the story, which I will tell about him going to the mountain to offer Isaac. But where it came was when Abraham had no son. His dream was, I want a son. Do you have a dream, something that you want more than anything, but it hasn't happened yet? That's where Abraham was. He had just fought a battle with 318 of his men against these four kings to rescue his nephew Lot, who had gotten into trouble. And he came back and he, was, he just felt spent. And he goes, God, he goes, look, I'm dying. And the only pleasure that I could have is if I, you've blessed me, I've got a lot of neat things, but if I don't have a son, you know, then I, I don't have anyone to pass all that you've blessed me with to. The Lord came to him and said, do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. And in Genesis 15, six, he said, look now toward heaven. Count the stars if you were able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. I want you to know this. Your dad in heaven loves you so much. He knows you, how you're wired. He knows what would make you the most complete, happy and fulfilled. And guess what? As he threw his arm around Abraham and said, that's exactly what I want to give to you. That's what our dad does. If you will delight yourself in the Lord, the Bible says he also will give you the desires of your heart. Do you know why? Because the desires of your heart were put there by the Lord himself. The desire of your heart I give you. And he, Abraham, believed in the Lord and God reckoned to him righteousness. Now, do you know that right there, that's the first instance in the Bible the word believe is found? It's when Abraham believed a good promise from God. I wanna to say to you, I don't care how badly your life has gone or what mistakes you've made, what failures there have been, what shortcomings, what, what things have been taken from you. God is not finished. He's got a whole, he's got all of eternity. And a few little things that happen in a few moments, this is nothing. And, and it, this is nothing for God. To fix your life, to heal your heart, to reconcile 
uh, and, and to bring healing and to bring meaning and fulfillment and purpose and passion into your life. I'm going to give you a son. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. At Maranatha Radio, we've received so many cards, emails, and social media messages expressing appreciation for Pastor Ray's teaching. Our family loved Pastor Ray. He was witty, kind, and demonstrated completely what it was like to have a deep relationship with God. We are grateful that our family was able to come together at Maranatha. Our lives will forever be changed because of Ray's powerful messages we rejoice because we know Ray is in heaven. Messages like that continue to be such a great encouragement to all of us at Maranatha Radio and the whole Bentley family. If you'd like to send a message, just email us, ray at raybentley.com or post a comment online at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now, Abraham's faith grows. 30, some 30 years later, this little boy grows up, the dream, the desire of Abraham's heart. And now God comes and says, I want you to sacrifice. Take your son Isaac to the mountain I will show you, and I want you to sacrifice him there. I want, and I'm paraphrasing, I want to see that you love me, Abraham, more than your gorgeous wife, Sarah, more than your beautiful son, Isaac. I want to know that I really am first. You know, that's, that's the way we were made. I want to say genetically designed. I'm talking on the atomic level. Every cell of your being was made to be madly, passionately, deeply in love with God. And when you're right there, then you're on fire with love for everything and everyone else around you. That's the priority. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind, with all your strength and then love your neighbor as yourself. That's the alignment. So now show me, Abraham. You believed in me 30 years ago. I gave you a son. Show me that I'm first. Abraham takes his son, Isaac, who's not a little boy, and walks up to the mountain and goes to Mount Moriah. And there he tells his servants at a certain part, you stay here. The lad and I will go yonder and worship God, and we will come back to you. I, can, I can't imagine. There's a lot that you have to read between the lines when Abraham took his son Isaac and they're walking up to the peak of the mountain and finally at some point Abraham shares, Isaac, the Lord told me to sacrifice you. I can imagine as Isaac's looking at dad going, dad, I think you prayed a little too long last night. <laughs> he goes, no son, I don't understand it but I know I've heard the Lord but I also want you to know this, son, because we know what Abraham reasoned. How could, any, how could he do that? The Bible tells us. Because why would God ask me to sacrifice my son? You told me that this son would have descendants like the stars of the heavens. So Abraham reasoned in his mind that in order for God not to be a liar, and he had found that he could trust God and that God's not a liar. The only way for God not to be a liar, if you want me to sacrifice my son, okay, I'll do it because I do love you more than anything else. But I believe that you will then have to raise my son Isaac from the dead to fulfill your promise and keep what you told me. And so then Abraham's there and Isaac voluntarily gave himself. He said, okay, dad, I trust you. I, I believe you. I've known you for these years and God has always been faithful to you. So I don't understand, but 
Go ahead, tie me, bind me. Because he was big, his dad was old, he could have run away, overpowered his dad. He voluntarily, because Isaac is like Jesus, who voluntarily gave himself to his father to be the sacrifice. Now you know the end of the story, Abraham's ready to go and the angel cries out, stop! There's a ram caught in the thicket, now God knows you would not withhold anything from your son. The whole thing was a drama. It was a stage, theatrical play. Because on that same exact mountain, 2,000 years later, this time the dad is not Abraham, it's God, our father. The son is Jesus. And as you know, in the end of the story, there was nobody who said stop. There's somebody else, or a ram, or animal, or anything else. This time the knife came down, and the knife was the cross of Jesus Christ. He gave his life. But, as the father said, and as the son predicted on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. And he said, now, I have crushed the head of the serpent. I own life, and I own death, and I own, I own it all. And I have resurrected, and anybody who will believe and follow and trust in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what that was all about. But James makes the point that Abraham demonstrated what he believed that only God could see in his heart, but he, he let the whole world know. And that's why Abraham is the father of faith. For all of us, he's our spiritual dad. Why? Because he had faith that said, God is able to resurrect that which has died. All kinds of dreams in your life. You'll have the birth of a vision and then followed by the death of a vision or a dream. But that's not the end of the story. God resurrects dreams and visions that have died. He's in the business of that. That's his nature and he's good at it. And he can restore and he can heal, he can mend and he can make us whole and brand new. So Abraham's obedience was showing that he really believed inside of his heart. Genesis 22:18 says, through your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. It's not enough just to believe in Jesus, but at some point you gotta get to know your dad, your father in heaven through the word and then start obeying him to the best of your ability. But it's the Holy Spirit that produces the good works in our life. James goes on to say, this is why Abraham is called the friend of God. Now it's one thing for me to say God's my friend, it's another thing when God says to everybody in heaven and earth, you're my friend. And that's what Abraham found. Now, John 15 verses 14 and 15 is in your notes. These are the words of Jesus. Let's read this out loud together. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. He says, I call you friends because you do what I say. You believe actually what I am saying. So it isn't just saying I have faith, it's demonstrating faith because the works of my life are in harmony with what I am declaring that I believe. If I were to say, this is probably a horrible uh, analogy, but if I were to say, there's a bomb that's gonna go off in 15 seconds. 
And I just think that's horrible. I can't believe people would come and they would plant a bomb and they would do that. And I just kept talking and going on. You'd all stare at me and go, what's he doing? Why is he saying that? And he just stands there and he goes on. If on the other hand, I go, get out of here. And I run down the steps and run outside. There's a bomb and then it disappears. La, 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 la. You would all go, well, at least he believes what he is saying. Get out. You know, you'd all be jumping up going, what's going on? Because my actions are showing that I really believe what I am saying. The gospel is powerful. Our lives should demonstrate. And honestly, the world, they need more than just to hear the, the gospel. They want and need to see it. Not perfection, but they need to see that we actually believe and are struggling, if not striving to obey the very things because we believe Jesus is who he claimed to be. That's what the world's waiting for. Real Christians who actually love God and one another. Amen? Okay, closing with the verses 25 and 26. And I love this last little thing. He says, likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So he goes, okay, we could say, well, Abraham, he's this towering giant. How can I, I don't have that kind of faith. So James goes, okay, how about Rahab? Abraham is a, uh, he's a Jew. He's the chosen people. Rahab is a Gentile. Abraham lived a life of righteousness. Rahab lived a life of immorality. And she didn't even know very much about God. She heard from a couple of spies about their God. Maybe had heard through the other people. And, you know, here's her testimony in Joshua 2, verses 9 through 11. When she heard these spies, here's what she said. I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out from Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. And therefore, she gathered her little family around and she said, you have to do what I say. Stay in this house. Their God's coming and this place is going to come under judgment. I'm hanging a red cord out our window and they said that we would be spared. And I believe them. It's going to happen. What they said is coming to pass. It was a prophecy. She believed in that word. They came. The walls of Jericho fell. The Jews came in. And that one window they left alone. And not only was Rahab saved, her whole family was saved. Then she leaves with the Jews on her way further into the promised land, ends up marrying a Jewish guy. And then on top of that, she actually becomes in the line of the Messiah, an amazing grace in the first chapter of the New Testament book of Matthew, there's little Rahab's name in the lineage of Jesus Christ the Messiah. You don't have to be a superhero saint to have faith that shows by your actions, you believe what God has said. It can be for all of us, amen? From the book of James today, Pastor Ray Bentley with good encouragement about faith that reveals itself in action. Now today's study here on Maranatha Radio is titled, Faith That Works Is Alive. If you missed any part of the presentation, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. 
We hope you'll stop by our site today. When you're there, you can leave a few words in tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And under media, you'll notice three words, watch, radio, and Devo, three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click about and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email free of charge. Plus, you'll find other spiritual growth books and resources from Pastor Ray, including his book called As the Days of Noah, a prophetic fiction novel. So many are enjoying the full series called The Elijah Chronicles. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also make a donation right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Or our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Well, next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of James. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.